Welcome back to the Curiosity Podcast. Today we have Fuwada Lee, who is doing flight software at SpaceX. He has interned at Tesla, Twitter, and Wild Simple, and is the host at the Next Iteration Podcast. He just graduated from McMaster University, where he studied electrical and biomedical engineering. Fuad, thank you so much for joining us today. If you could introduce yourself, if you wanted to add anything, that would be amazing. Yeah, no, I think you did a great job, honestly. Uh, you also did a ton of companies and stuff. And yeah, that's me, Fuad. Um, yeah, excited to be on this podcast. Thank you so much for reaching out. Um, I don't think I'm like the best person maybe to give advice because I'm still figuring things out, but I guess we all are, right? So yeah, happy to talk today about some of my experiences and uh, get to know get to know you guys. Awesome. So our first question is about like your internship. So You've done tons of internships with like really legit companies. And right now you're with SpaceX, which is like massive. Um, so can you talk to us a bit about your process, like getting into these internships in both like high school and university and like what challenges did you face, like trying to get into these like internships and yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, great question. So what are the, some of the challenges I faced and how did I kind of, you know, get the internships that I got? Um, First off, real quick, shameless self-plug. I did an episode on my podcast about this where I go into super detail. So that's like an hour. So it might be more detailed than I can give here, but I'll try my best to distill the points because I think, you know, focus, focus above all, right? So what are some like the most impactful things? I think one of the biggest things is just like a fundamental self-belief that you can do those things. And how that kind of came about for me was one of my friends actually in, I think our second year of university, um, got an internship at Tesla. And that was like a huge, huge deal for us because our school isn't super big in tech. McMaster is more of like a pre-med school. Uh, and that's why I did biomedical engineering there because they had a really good program there. But there weren't a lot of people in Silicon Valley. There weren't a lot of people getting internships at tech companies and things like that. And so I think it's really intimidating, especially if you're from an environment that, like that or you're really young and you don't know a lot of people who have you know, done these jobs um, to kind of be empowered to like believe that you even deserve to apply to these things. So I think number one is like a fundamental self-belief that you do deserve these opportunities and you deserve the chance you deserve to be taken a chance on. Um, and that kind of happened for me because I saw a friend do it and I was like, Hey, he's not that different for me. Um, you know, I could definitely do it if I, you know, applied myself and yeah, that's the biggest first step. The second is you can only get a position if you've applied to it. So that means you need to apply to everything, like anything that exists, anything that you might find remotely interesting, anything that, you know, you've seen somebody your age do, or, you know, maybe it's somebody who's like a few years older than you, you could be like the youngest person ever who's done it, right? So um, apply to everything because you can only get something if you've applied to it. And then I like to do things in three. So I'm going to give you one more piece of advice just to think of what it is. Um, I think talking to as many people as you can, there have been so many opportunities that have like come up in my life because of some random chance encounter or because I randomly knew somebody that I talked to or like I put myself out there that um, in a group where I wouldn't normally have done so. And that has like, you know, like 10x basically my life. Like one of the best summers of my life was last summer when I was in Berkeley uh, interning at Twitter. And I only got the chance to live in Berkeley. So originally I was gonna live um, in Toronto and just do my Twitter internship virtually. Uh, but then there was like a Google group or something for the Twitter interns and like I introduced myself in it uh, and like I like linked my IG and stuff and like basically one of the guys saw my post in the group like messaged me we turned out to have mutual friends from Toronto uh, and he like knew a guy who knew a guy who was like 
subletting a place in Berkeley for like really cheap. Uh, and like, he ended up like, you know, uh, creating group chat with that guy and I, and like, we, we became friends. And then I ended up moving down to the Bay and that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't like put myself out there, like tried to introduce myself to a group of people I'd never known, uh, you know, been open to talking to people and like hopping on chats, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of like random network effects that come from just like talking to as many people as you can. It's part of the reason I started the podcast. And I think you guys are definitely doing it the right way too. It's just a good excuse to talk to cool people. Um, and it helps with applications too, right? Like the more people, you know, the more people who might be able to give you a referral, or if a new team is hiring, maybe, you know, the manager or something like that. Um, you know, just really useful thing to have in general. For sure. And I want to like have a quick follow-up on one of the points you mentioned, and it was like applying for every internship you have. Um, that you see so how did you apply for these internships because like for myself and for Nyla we're not like applying to such high profile like intern places um but we are like at least I'm not going in through like the normal path of like sending in your resume I usually like find an email or I find a person and like I dm them on LinkedIn and then it's like you know back alleys and stuff like that so did you do any of like unconventional ways of like getting hired and getting your resume noticed or was it just like go through the application phase Actually, I think I've only got one internship from like a cold application. That was my Twitter internship. Um, everything else I got in through like, you know, like a back alley or something like that, quote unquote. Um, and I think you've already kind of alluded to it, but, you know, there are a couple ways to do this. And like that, this is where the talking to people comes in really useful and like cold messaging people and like being unafraid to like kind of put yourself out there. Um, so I can tell a story about how I got my Tesla internship. So actually, I was like scrolling through LinkedIn one day. I was literally on the toilet, like just scrolling through LinkedIn because I was like, what else is there to do? Um, and I saw that like a friend had liked a post um, that somebody else had made, you know, I'm like LinkedIn went so like, oh, someone so-and-so likes this. Um, so a friend of mine had liked somebody else's post. Um, and so I clicked on the post. It turned out to be some like blog post about distributed systems. And like, I'd like briefly heard of distributed systems and like considered working on it. I was like, oh, it might be cool to like do an internship in it. Uh, and this is like sometime in like September. Um, I was currently doing an internship at like a fintech firm. Uh, I read the blog post and I was like, dude, like I understand nothing here. Like this is way above my pay grade. Like I don't understand anything going on here. And I wish I did. So I, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. So I like DM the guy who wrote the article and I was like, hey, like you're working on some really, really cool stuff. I'll be honest. Like I don't really understand this part. Uh, I would love to hop on a call and like talk through, you know, some of the work you're doing and like try and understand a little bit more because I, I think it's like super fascinating. Um, and that guy ended up being my manager at Tesla. Um, like we hopped on a call, we chatted. Um, he was like super cool. We had a great discussion. And then um, six weeks went by and like he never responded to my messages for like six weeks because he was super busy. But I kept messaging him, messaging him, messaging him. And eventually he was like, hey, you know, if you're interested, um, there's an opening on my team for an internship. Uh, would love to interview. And so I went to like three rounds of interviews and then ended up getting the job. So kind of like you said, like just, you know, talking to people as much as you can messaging people on LinkedIn, cold emails, like all that sort of jazz really, really helps. Um, there isn't like a secret formula to an alternative secret method to like get internships. It's just like who you talk to and who you know. And the good thing is, so there are bad things about that, right? People who already know a lot of people or who know people who know a lot of people or who are in privileged circles, like automatically just have more opportunities. And that's very true. But the good thing about it is everyone is on LinkedIn or Twitter. Like every single person is already there. And like, as long as you can bug them hard enough and not be stupid, annoying, like you can probably get a chat with anyone. So um, like for the podcast, one thing I started doing is just like replying to like 
tweets that people post like if it's like somebody i'd want to have on the podcast i reply to like all their tweets for a week and like eventually your name is just like on their screen so much that they're like they start to build some familiarity with you and like you know like eventually you can maybe get them on or like talk to them or at the very least like get a response or something right so yeah um that's that's kind of like how i did it and like honestly most of my internships i got like that i think yeah twitter was the only one i got from like applying on the company website um, which I still did a lot of, I just didn't get a lot of results, but, uh, even with like all these companies in my resume, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely agree that networking is super key in terms of getting those kinds of opportunities. And I love the Tesla story. Uh, were you someone that had a concrete plan in high school and, or university? Did that plan change and how did you decide to go down the career path that you went down? Yeah, this is actually a topic I love discussing because I think especially I would have benefited a lot from hearing about this when I was like, so I'm 22 now and it would have been real nice to hear some of this shit when I was like 16, 17. Um, But so to answer your question, yes, I had like a whole like 10, 20 year plan when I was like 16, 17. So like I went into university, I was like, I'm going to do biomedical engineering. The only reason I'm doing biomedical engineering is because I kind of like physics in high school and like I kind of enjoyed tech. Uh, or like the idea of tech like being a cool thing to get into and I think it'd be cool to have like a different background for when I go into med school because you know I don't want to study bio for four years and then also do bio in med school and then also do bio as a career then I kind of just don't explore anything right Um, and so that was the plan and obviously that that plan has not panned out (laughs) fast forward five years later I'm like you know I'm going to start a career in technology like I have no interest in going to med school whatsoever I'd never want to be a clinician um and things changed a lot. And like one thing I've realized is that it doesn't make sense for you to make decisions for somebody else, like for your 22 year old self. So why would a 17 year old make decisions for a 22 year old? It doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't let a 12 year old make decisions for 17 year old you. And you wouldn't let nine year old you make decisions for 14 year old you, right? That you've changed so much in that time. You're not even the same human being, right? And you don't have the same context. You don't have the same, you know, Uh, set of experiences to draw from you don't have the same ability to make those decisions right and so yes it's really important to have direction you can't just be wandering around aimlessly like just looking to do whatever's the most exciting thing in front of you Um, I think it's important to have some somewhat of a direction but that direction needs to be you know general and you need to be able to pivot depending on your interests and be open to changing because you are changing as you as you get older in life and yeah I think that's something that's really really important um, cause I kind of beat myself up for a long time. I was like, Hey, like I put in so much work into this path. Like I thought I really wanted this, but like, I genuinely don't enjoy it as much. Like, what should I do? And like, honestly, I think you should just make the most of whatever's in front of you right now to your best extent and realize that if you do that, you're never precluding yourself of opportunity in the future. So let's say the next opportunity in front of you is X internship or X semester of school doing really well in that semester of school or in that internship isn't going to stop you from, you know, maybe changing career paths like three years down the line, right? So I think it's really important to just take whatever you have and do the best you can with it and keep an open mind about where you're going uh, and reflect on that like constantly, right? So like I try and do it quarter to quarter, um, like at the end of like every three months, like I'll sit down and like reflect on my life path and like I'm going the right direction. Um, but really, if you're doing that, you you don't need a 10-year plan because you're in, a, in tune with what you want right now. You're making the best decisions to set yourself up for like any future. Um, and you have some somewhat of a direction that you, you know, you're working towards. Right. Uh, and maybe that's different for some people. Maybe, 
you know, you're eight and you're a figure skater and you know, you want to go to the Olympics when you're 17 and like, it's like a very linear career path. And like, you really, really just need to grind it. That's different. But uh, that wasn't the case with me. And I think mo isn't the case with most people. Um, so I think it's important to like, keep an open mind about those things. Yeah. Goals definitely change, but I am curious, um, like what your goals are for the next few years, maybe not for the next 10 years, because that, that'll change. But where do you see yourself ideally? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've limited myself to five-year planning now. It's, it's somewhat of an improvement, but it's still kind of, um, still kind of far in the future. And like I said, like I'm open to these things changing and I'm going to check in with myself every quarter and make sure that there's still things I want to do. Uh, with that being said, let me answer your question. So what do I see myself doing in like the near future? So, um, I just graduated from McMaster university in biomedical and logical engineering. I think it was a great degree. I'm a little bit less interested in biomed than I was starting out um, my career. I'm still definitely still interested in it, but uh, I think there are other things I want to explore right now. And so over the next, let's say four to five years. Um, so I just finished my internship at SpaceX or I'm finishing it up. I have 10 more days left and hopefully that goes well. I'll close out my projects. But um, after that, I'm starting at Twitter full-time in September um, as a software engineer. Um, and I think my plan is to kind of get the, like, if I can get the return off from SpaceX, depending on how well I did in this internship, and then start at Twitter um, and then reevaluate like three or four months in whether I'm liking Twitter or if I want to go back to SpaceX, um, because I didn't really get the in-person experience at Twitter. I was only virtual for my internship. So I really wanted to be there and like kind of have the full um, employee experience and like be able to make a decision from there. I didn't want to like just go to Twitter straight up and like regret not having tried out SpaceX or something like that. Um, so yeah, after I make that decision, I'll probably get that company for one to two years. I just got into uh, a dual MBA MSc program at Columbia University. Um, it's for, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, an MSc in comp sci and an MBA, just, you know, regular MBA, whatever an MBA is. Um, <laughs> and that'll be in New York starting 2023. So uh, and that's a two-year program. So that's kind of the next four years planned out, like work for the next one to two, try and pay off my student debt because I have a lot of that. Uh, I just bought a car, so trying to pay off my car and then uh, save up some money for business school and then um, do the, the MBA and the MSc in like two to three years-ish. And then after Columbia, like I have no idea. That's that's where I draw the line. I'm like, I want to use business school as like a time to explore things. Like I'm kind of interested in VC. Uh, I'm interested in like startups in general. Um, I might want to come back and like, you know, do some management work at like a tech firm or something like that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's honestly too far away to, to understand yet. So and I'll be like 27 then. So yeah, like I want to make sure that I make the right decision then. So I don't have any plans for after that yet, but I know I'll stay in like the tech sort of space um, and definitely want to use the skills I've built as an engineer because, you know, the next two years are going to be a lot of skill building and the last year, I guess, has been for me. Um, so I don't want those skills to go to waste. I want to make sure I'm using those and like, you know, developing those as well. So yeah, that's the next, I guess, four-ish years. Sounds like the next four years are going to be very exciting. Uh, but looking back at your past internships, like, do you think you had one that was your favorite? Um, and like, why do you think that is? And can you talk to us about like how you reflect on like, what's your favorite experience? Because like, in my point of view, when I'm like, when I'm doing something challenging, I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, it's so annoying. Yeah. It's so hard. Uh, but then when you finish, you're like, oh my God, that was so much fun. I learned so much. Like, look at me now. Mm -hmm. um, so like, how do you like define what your favorite internship was? And then like, which one is your favorite? 
Yeah, great question. I think this is why reflection is so important. That's kind of why I do that quarter to quarter because it's just it's just like a natural flow, I guess, in like a student's life because quarter is usually a semester and like, you know, summer is usually an internship. So it makes sense to like kind of divide things like that. Um, and yeah, you need to be able to reflect so you understand what are those things that you value. For me in an internship, I think there's like a bunch of different factors I consider, but um, number one, my team, absolutely my team. Um, I One thing I've come to learn after having worked at like all these big companies is that company name means nothing at all. Um, it's really like the team you work on because these companies are so big, most of them. I mean, some are smaller than others. Like Twitter is pretty small. It's only like four or 5,000 people versus like Facebook is like 70,000. Um, but there are definitely like there are definitely huge differences between you know the individual teams even if they're both in the engineering department uh, because of things like you know who you work with the culture on the team et cetera et cetera um, so I think the most important thing for me to evaluate is like how did I like being a part of this team because even virtually ninety nine percent of your interactions day to day and if you work like nine to five that's a long chunk of your day like five days a week like that's most of your life right so you need to really like the people and the team you're you're working with. And if you don't, it'll be just a bad experience, no matter how good the work is, no matter how much you're being paid, yeah, no matter how much like you value the mission. So I think that's definitely number one. Number two, I think mission alignment is really, really important for me. Um, for example, I don't think I could work at like a defense company or, uh, you know, uh, other companies like that, just because I don't really agree with what they're doing as like, a more on a moral level and like I don't really agree with the goals they're trying to achieve and so um, that's really really important for me as well like reflecting back on the internship like how closely did it align with the mission of the work I was doing like did I see myself contributing to something larger that I actually cared about um, and then third is I guess <sighs> location is pretty important to me I know that some people don't care uh, and they're more like you know, digital nomad or like whatever, they're, they're like happy to like just work from home or like travel and work and things like that. But I do genuinely enjoy being in the office with people I care about. Uh, and I feel like I do my best work there. I think a lot of it stems from all the sports I played as a kid. Like I love being on the field, like working through a problem with somebody, like, you know, working together to solve, solve a problem or like being in a huddle or something like that. Um, I love that. And if I can't get that, like I definitely miss out on part of the the first two categories I mentioned. And so location does matter for me because I wanna be in an area where my teammates are and I wanna be in like a city where I feel like I'm doing stuff. So um, yeah, like SpaceX right now is in like South Texas and it's not like a super popping area or anything. Like there aren't a ton of restaurants and like good food around. And like that's definitely impacted me a little bit, I think. Um, I think I've realized that that's something I value in a city. Like just being like, in in a place where you can meet a lot of cool people doing a lot of cool things like sf new york toronto like wherever it is um definitely a big city kind of kid so yeah those are kind of the three things i try and evaluate internships on obviously like, there are other things like pay is a factor um you know the scope of the work i've been given is a factor all those things kind of play into it but i would say those are the three primary things um i actually had to go through this decision making process a couple of times to, like try and decide on like internship offers so um, kind of like hone this down from there. Um, and then the second part of your question was, sorry, this is, I'm, I'm taking so long to get to it, but second part of your question is like, what's my favorite internship so far? Um, I'm not going to count SpaceX because I am not done yet. So I don't think it's like a, a proper, something that's good to judge yet because considering there's so much time left. But uh, from my previous internships, 
Um, I think my two favorite were definitely Twitter and Wall Simple. And um, I'll, I'll qualify those statements. So my tell censorship, I had to leave halfway through because of COVID. So I had been kind of interrupted. And then like a couple of my family members got COVID. So it was kind of a, a difficult time for me in general. So uh, I will like that definitely colored my perception of the internship. So uh, that's probably why it's not on the, the top two list. Uh, but I'll talk about Twitter and Wallsimple. Um, Wallsimple I did in fall 2019. And I really think Wallsimple is like the perfect size of a company when I when I got there. And so this kind of feeds back into like the team aspect. There were about like 280 people when I joined in fall 2019. And their engineering team was about 100 people. And I think it was like the perfect size for a startup because you had enough support from your team uh, working on like really difficult problems because there are at least like 100 engineers and like they all had expertise in like a bunch of different things. But they're also small enough that you could get like really impactful projects and you could pretty much meet everyone in the company and get to know them. And I even got to get coffee with the CEO, Mike Hatch, and super, super cool dude. And like that doesn't happen at like bigger internships. Like I can't get coffee with Elon right now. He's, he's way too busy and like there are way too many people. So, um, so that, was, that was really great. That kind of goes to the team aspect. Um, location wise, I was in downtown Toronto. I live with a friend and it was fall in Toronto, which I don't know if you guys are from Canada both, but fall in Toronto is like the best city on earth. Like, I think it's like Paris in the summertime, like just really good weather. Fall is just beautiful. Like Trinity Bellwoods Park, um, the brickworks, like so many different aspects of Toronto that I love. So, uh, that was great. And then, sorry, I forgot what my second category was. I think team was one mission. Oh yeah. Mission. So, Wassimple was like democratizing finance for people. And like, as somebody who comes from like a low income family, like I think that that mission like really spoke to me for sure. Um, I could definitely see how like, there were aspects of financial literacy and like financial empowerment that like I had never known until I worked at Wassimple. Um, And it was, it was really cool seeing how like Wassimple was really prioritizing like people of, you know, disadvantaged backgrounds to take advantage of their platform. They weren't building, like they weren't an investment bank for like rich people to like get richer. They were, a platform where people could first start to invest, you know, with as little as a dollar or whatever it was. So I think that was really, really impactful. Um, and then I guess the second one I mentioned was Twitter. Twitter was virtual. So I guess I didn't, I didn't get like the full aspects of like the in-office experience and stuff like that. Uh, but I just love my team. I think they're really great people, even online, like they made it work really well. Um, you know, Slack was super active and I really got to talk to everyone on the team. Uh, Mission was really cool. I worked on the health organization and that's the team that's responsible for dealing with like the ugly side of Twitter. So we censor misinformation, child pornography, hate speech, you know, COVID misinformation. Uh, we, we were basically the team that like was, you know, kind of involved in the decision process to, to kind of ban Trump as well. So I think it's, it's a really impactful space because it, it's so important to so many different issues, like from social justice to like, you know, climate change, like Twitter, Twitter is really like a conduit of information and it's really important for journalism as well. And so, um, yeah, I think it was just a really impactful space. So definitely mission alignment. I really like my team. So that was, that was good. And like, uh, I lived in Berkeley for that. And I just, I love the Bay area during the summer. I think it's a great place to be too. Um, and yeah, just did a ton of hikes, like met a ton of people. It was, it was a good time. So yeah, those are some of my favorite internships. That is awesome. And those tips are amazing as well. And I think from working at all those companies, having the ability to manage people and delegate work well is a super important skill. You probably realize. So in your opinion, from being managed, what makes a good manager and leader? 
Yeah. So what makes a good management leader? This is a great question. Um, I, so I'm smiling because I've definitely had some bad managers and definitely some better managers. Um, there are a lot of good researchers out there to read more about this. I wouldn't say I'm like an expert at all since I've never been in a manager, but like from the perspective of an intern, I think the biggest thing you can give an intern is time. And that's, I would say, like, number one aspect of a good manager. Can you give somebody on your team who, let's be honest, like, isn't the highest contributor to your team, isn't, you know, going to make the difference or, like, get you noticed by your director because they're such a good worker? Like, you know, like, really an intern is kind of a sunk cost. Like, for 90% for of the internship, you're just training them to get to the point where they can do work. And then you kind of maybe see that work for, like, 30% of the internship, 40% of the internship, but like realistically, they're not like changing your company or like your team's trajectory or anything, right? So an intern is a really good gauge of, are you willing to give time to people to help make them better and like to help make them better in the long run without the expectation of reward? Because, you know, especially if you're an intern in your second or third year, like there's a high chance you don't return to that company, right? So um, you're really doing this for, for not your own gain, but for the person's gain and to, to kind of to contribute to that person's development and I think the biggest thing you can do that is time like if a manager can give you you know 30 minutes to an hour every week like that's a huge benefit like I learned so much from some of my managers just from having a 30 minute chat every week with them uh and like uninterrupted focused time where we could talk about anything like I could talk about work I could talk about life um I was actually going through a long distance relationship with like a ton of issues uh when I was at my Twitter internship and like I talked about it with my manager and like he gave me some really good advice um so like you know it's not just work it's not just professional development it's also just you know interpersonal like inter interpersonal relationships your family anything it is like your manager is like genuinely like a life mentor for you and so I think that's really really important for them to give you that time and to be open to discussing those things with you um and so yeah kind of building off that point somebody who's like like genuinely chill and like I know this word is like overused and it's really hard to judge that but somebody who you can talk sit down and talk with they have this like thing called the beer test in America where it's like the president that gets elected is always the president that people vote or people think that they could grab a beer with more easily right like just sit down like grab a beer and like have a conversation with right and like there's like whatever statistics and like surveys that go out and like this has been like true a hundred percent of the time in every election that the president who people feel like they can just grab a beer with is the president that's elected and like I think this also applies to managers the better managers are always the ones that maybe not beer if you're underage or like you don't drink but somebody you can just sit down and have a meal with and just like talk talk to I think that's really really important uh because it goes a long way in making you comfortable as an intern like naturally you're uncomfortable like first off like you, you haven't worked a lot so this is probably like way out of your ability um you know it's already a huge time of growth and then second um you know you're the youngest person on the team you don't know anyone you probably move to a new place like there's so many other things that kind of play a factor into that so it's really important for your manager to help make you comfortable and then kind of more on the work note in terms of delegating work your manager has to have a good project scoped out for you a good project really makes or breaks an internship and um i do think it's better to have like kind of one dedicated project along with a couple of small tasks to kind of get you up to speed um in an internship and my manager at house actually wrote a really good blog post about this that i can link you guys maybe you can put it in the description that describes like what makes a good internship but um a good project makes or breaks an internship because if, if you don't have a good project like you're unable to do impactful work and like have something to show for at the end of the internship uh 
and you won't be able to like get rehired really easily. So uh, what goes into a good project, something that's well scoped and like is actually possible to finish before the end of your internship, something that's like related to what the team works on. So you actually feel like you're part of the team and not just like put on some random intern project that no one wanted to do. Uh, Cause I've definitely been, been put on those and like, it sucks. Like the summer feels like a drag, like you're working on some shit that like, isn't super important. And like, nobody really, really needed or wanted and nobody understands, like they're not really there to help you with. So I think that's really, really important. Like being put on a project that you can actually finish giving your abilities, you have the support uh, of your team on it. And they're like willing to give you that time to, to kind of work through those things with you. And it's something that, you know, aligns with the team's mission and is on like something that actually matters to the team and not just like some random testing project or like experiment that'll never be implemented or something like that. So yeah, good manager is somebody who gives you their time, is chill enough to like make you comfortable on the team and like give you life advice on like things outside the internship. And then somebody who like can scope out a good project for you and like actually have you deliver on that in, in your internship. Yeah. And those are really hard to do because yeah. internships like 12 weeks, but yeah. For sure. I would definitely agree with all those. And it's so good that you can like reflect on that. Cause like now in the future, when you like, you're probably gonna manage people in the future. And like have these like I don't know like you know what makes a good manager and now you can like actually help people and like then when people feel wanted usually they do a really good job so it's so good again that it comes back down to reflection and understanding yeah. reflection um, super important yeah sure. and I think I'm super lucky because I've had seven managers now so that's like a lot more than like I guess a lot of people have had in the beginning of their career so I've, I've definitely gotten the chance to see like the good the bad and the ugly so mostly mostly good mostly good for sure <laughs> cool um, and then like next question is more about like your projects. So on a LinkedIn post, you once said side projects have been like very crucial for you, especially like long-term projects. So can you talk to us a bit more about the importance of like long-term projects and have you done any like long-term projects that you learned a lot from? Great question. So long-term projects. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about the importance of long-term projects first. So I think... Long-term projects are important because honestly, anyone can go to a hackathon and spend like 36 hours straight coding something. It doesn't really, like if I was a manager and like looking at resumes and like trying to figure out who's my next intern or new hire, it's not that impressive to me because I know anyone can do that and anyone kind of, you know, exaggerate the details of what they worked on over 36 hours, like be whatever, like sound really impressive, but something that's longer term and actually shows like technical depth is a lot harder to fake. If you've been working on something for eight months and it's just like a landing page, then obviously it's not a great product. But like if it's if it's something you've been working on for eight months and like you put in work and like you've had downloads, you've had users, you've thought through the pros and cons to like different decisions, like it's much more impressive to me as an as a theoretical manager in this situation to see that on a resume. So yeah, I think long term projects are really important for that reason. But beyond just like a oh it'll help you get a job. I think they're generally like way more fun than hackathons. Like hackathons are a great time, but like, I don't know. I kind of like sleeping and like, I don't want to like stay up for 36 hours every time. Like I want to work on something interesting. Um, plus like there's only so much you can do in 36 hours. Like you, you, you genuinely can't like, you know, collect user data or like do any of those cool things like within 36 hours. Cause there's such a huge time crunch. Like what are the chances that like thousand people use your product in those 36 hours, right? So yeah, I think that's really, really um, important to consider when doing a long-term project and like some of the reasons why those matter a lot more. And I'm a huge advocate for those. Um, what are some of the long-term projects I've done? I would say like, I guess the most obvious one is the podcast. Um, 
yeah it's, i guess it's in a way like the longest project i've ever done i've been working on it for like two years and like definitely gathered a few listeners since that time like grown a lot since then um and i think the big thing about a long-term project is it teaches you so much more than just like launching and building it teaches you how to have a relationship with your customers in my case listeners right how to grow an audience how to have a social media presence like how to do marketing um you know how to deal with like building a team around it right so we've we've recently expanded our podcast team we've like acquired a couple other podcasts and like brought it under our platform and that's been like really really interesting to work with especially because a lot of people in the podcast are your friends and like mixing friends with business is always a little bit of an issue so um yeah going through those like kind of growth pains and like understanding how to delegate work understanding how to like you know tell people and like direct people and like manage a team um those things always come up with like longer term projects even if it's like a project you're only doing yourself there's still like the interaction with your users that you get you know um the interaction with like seeing a product evolve over time uh and those are just problems you can't get in the hackathon can't get to work on so yeah, uh, that's some of my advice about longer-term projects. That is awesome. I actually wanted to briefly talk to you about your podcast. Uh, so that has about 6,000 listeners now. And I was wondering, what drove you to start that? What are your intentions with it? And how did you build that brand? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, so it's definitely grown a lot since I started. I, I feel like at the beginning, like I couldn't even get my mom to listen to it. She was like, whatever, like, I'm not gonna listen to you talk for like an hour. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely come a long way. So I can talk through a little bit about like why it started. So uh, it started originally as the Into the Adulterous podcast. I just watched Into the Spider-Verse and I was like, this is such a sick movie. I got any of my podcasts after it. Uh, but like, since then we've kind of rebranded and, and changed up a little bit. Um, so it started as uh, really a way for Damien, my co-host and I to kind of explore like going into the adult verse, like becoming young adults and like figuring life out. Like I was starting my co-op year. So I was moving around a ton. I was like away from all my friends. I had to like make new friends. I had to start like learning how to be a functioning adult in a workplace and like, you know, like living on my own and like doing all that stuff. And then Damien was starting his master's and like going through all that stuff as well. So it was really a way for us to like talk about like issues like imposter syndrome and like other things that uh you know we really felt and we thought that like other people would kind of benefit from if we talked about and so that's kind of how it started and then yeah like that, that's kind of how it went for the first year or so and then a year in we we sat down like talked about it like kind of reflected just like you know where are we going with this where do we want where do you see ourselves doing with this like in 10 years is this what we want the podcast to be like et cetera et cetera we kind of rebranded into the next iteration podcast and the next iteration platform. And it's like since kind of grown into more than just the podcast. We have a, you know, a few partner podcasts. We are creating like a community around the podcast and like think of, you know, doing the newsletter and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but really um the the root of like that rebrand into the next iteration platform was because we realized that you know, this, this like into the adulterous thing, it was cool. And like, it definitely solved and addressed some of the needs we had then, but we wanted to create something sustainable, like for the next like three, four, five years, because this is definitely something we see ourselves doing for a while. And I think the big thing that we realized we were both passionate about was, you know, kind of the ethos of the next iteration is, I guess the Rubik's cube logo. So like a Rubik's cube is, you know, a cube that you kind of turn and like try and get closer and closer to like the final solve state right and so we we really thought about like what we wanted to do with the podcast and 
realize that what we're trying to do is enable people to become the next iteration of themselves. So like people are kind of like a Rubik's cube. Um, you know, you, you make moves in life and like you keep turning and turning and turning and trying to figure stuff out and you get closer and closer to an end solution. Uh, where our podcast differs is that life doesn't have an end solution or Rubik's Cube does. Like you can solve a Rubik's Cube, but you can't solve life, right? You're always making another iteration, always trying to get a little bit better at something, always trying to, you know, figure something out, um, but you never get to that solve state. Uh, so if you look closely at our logo, it's, it's an unsolvable cube. There are a couple squares that are in the wrong place. And that's just to represent that like life will always throw a couple curveballs at you and like you'll never actually get to that final solution, but you just got to keep trying and got to keep improving. Um, so yeah, that's what the ethos of the podcast is. And how we do that is we bring on guests that are like just doing cool shit and like, um, you know, like doing really innovative things and in like tech and business that we think our, our guests would like about, like take a lot of value from and just like stories that we think need to be told. So recently we had on the head of AI ethics at Twitter, uh, Ruman Chaudhary. She's super, super cool. Um, she has like a crazy career and like is working on some of the most important pr problems in like AI ethics right now. At one of the biggest companies in the world. Uh, we've had on managers at Tesla. We've, on, we've had on a VP at Tesla. Uh, we've on a, had on uh, a ton of startup founders, et cetera, et cetera. Like people were just doing really, really cool things and working on really innovative problems. We've had on Nyla, so that was really cool. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that's a little bit about the podcast and like how I started it and, and I guess kind of where it's going from here. That's awesome. And I love like the Rubik's Cube analogy and like the whole idea behind that that's like wonderful and you really put a lot of thought behind it we're getting close to the end of the podcast and what we do we do like a quick little speed round of just okay. questions um so yeah. just be ready for like quick you know one word like very fast questions one so, word okay yeah <laughs> two words like a sentence but like quick so first one is how do your friends uh describe you in one word loud <laughs> Indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. What's your favorite country? That's tough. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do the wrong thing. I'm in Texas right now. Uh, Canada, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> City that you want to travel to most? Uh, right now, it's Madrid. Nice. Backpacking or luxur luxurious travel? Backpacking. Hmm. Calling or texting? <laughs> uh, texting, but also I do appreciate a good call, like with, with an old <laughs> friend to catch up. But I usually just text, yeah. Who would you want to be stuck on an island with? If you had to be stuck Ooh. on an island. <laughs> it's not a good would, situation. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really, <laughs> Make I don't, the best out of it. <laughs> um, who would I want to be stuck on an island with? uh our head of growth in the podcast Hisham he's one of my good friends uh he's like super resourceful dude and like not afraid to like like do ugly things to get things done so yeah probably <laughs> him <laughs> if you were an animal what would it be I was an animal so I actually have like four tattoos of ravens so I feel like they go down my back I would be a raven because I think being a bird would be sick just like you get to fly like that's like the coolest shit so yeah I would agree raven. with that um coffee or tea coffee 100 percent final Hugely question to coffee Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> final question favorite music genre favorite music genre I've been really into trance recently so I'm, I'm a huge hip-hop head in general 
but there hasn't been good hip-hop coming out recently so yeah, trance yeah. trance right now okay cool okay that is our speed speed round over um yeah but this is really awesome i learned a ton um <laughs> and our last kind of thing that we love to do wrapping the podcast episode up is getting three action items from you yeah okay three action items for your listeners uh, number one, set up a regular schedule to like check in with yourself and self-reflect. It doesn't need to be like a journaling habit. I used to do that. And like, honestly, I'm so bad at like regularly journaling like every day. And sometimes my day's boring. Like I was just at work. So nothing to talk about. So it doesn't need to be daily. It doesn't need to be weekly. It doesn't even need to be quarterly, but set up some time where you can check in with yourself and be like, Hey, am I happy with who I am and, and the person I'm becoming and like the path I'm kind of on. Um, number two, Put yourself out there in some like random scenario to like get yourself out of your comfort zone whether it's like introducing yourself to someone you never thought you'd talk to you know that that cute girl guy at the bar like whatever it is like just put yourself out there and like talk to someone and then number three get a full night's sleep like literally whenever you listen to this that night get a full night's sleep because i don't know life is just better when you sleep i used to like be super masochistic about sleeping and like like oh like I sleep so little like I grind so hard whatever no like life is just better when you sleep so just sleep like it doesn't mean you're a hard work, harder worker because you get like four hours of sleep you're just not doing as good of work so yeah get enough sleep amazing well those are great action items and thank you again for your time today it was incredible having you on